Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, They'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Ask me. Ask Eliza anything. It's time to ask. Ask me all your questions. Leave them in the Instagram Yeah. What is anal feathering? If I just said that to you, if I said anal feathering, what is that? It sounds like a medical procedure. No. Is it a real thing or just words that you're saying? Um, I think it's words that I'm saying, but what's that like rule 44 where like if you say it, it's a porn? Rule 43. Uh, I'm no, mean. 34. It's 34. Okay. I don't think it matters, but- But it is. It's, yeah. Uh, anal feathering. You said sounds like a th- surgical procedure, like a cosmetic procedure. Yes. Noah? You're just like listening. Oh, are you just looking at me? Thinking about how pretty I am? Thank you. That's not what you were thinking. 100%. 100% that's what he was totally thinking. Um, why, what do you think anal feathering is, Noah? I think it's like skin texturing. Skin texturing? Yeah. When I think anal feathering, I think it's a condition. Like if you took a chicken and you looked at its neck, how they have those like tiny, tiny feathers, and there's a name for them, that's what your butthole would look like. Tiny, tiny little feathers. Or if you have like, uncontrollable diarrhea and then someone throws a ball of feathers at you right after and it all sticks on like tar and feathering yeah but it's- okay so you think it's something that's done to you you're thinking it's an elective procedure and i'm thinking it's a medical condition well my first thought was that it's like a like a textured <laughs> anal feathering on like, a, on like a meringue you like want to feather the texture so it looks all nice and so anal feathering is a nice textured b-hole yeah so i think there's actual feathers all right Three different scholars. This is just three different something opinions. Something I've heard you talking about for days. You know what's going to happen? This is going to come out in a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, I'm going to get these DMs like, "Here's what I think anal feathering is," and I'm going to be like, "Babe, how did they know about anal feathering? Are you still getting DMs about uh, take it to the toilet all the time?" Well, it's not that I still get them; it's that I get so many, and I don't open everything. I open less and less stuff now because, hey, fun fact: <clears throat> if you come to my comedy show and you have an opinion. I don't want it. <laughs> Here's a little insight in an article I found about something you should change. Like, nope, I'm good. You can't do this. There's no comment cards. Those are the jokes, folks. 
I'll be autodidactic on my own time. Thank you very much. Anal feathering and a phenol pump. Kick it. Okay, so our first question, it starts in December, but there's been an update, so we're going to get into the full thing, okay? Full feathering. I am a 30-year-old divorced mom of one. My ex-husband asked for a divorce from me last Christmas via text Ew. while he was Are you at Katy work. Perry and that's Russell Wayne? I asked for therapy and tried to convince him to work on it. He was unhappy that my career was trying to move us about 30 minutes closer to the city and from where we are now. My job is quite time-consuming. When I am not there, I tend to have to do things at home, and it's customer service, so I tend to come home a little aggressive slash tired. He told me he couldn't do it anymore and that he wasn't moving for me again. We signed our divorce papers on Valentine's Day, plays Alanis Morissette. Fast forward to December. Thank you, India. I was talking about I know it's ironic. Okay, I really was about to talk to you about Alanis Morissette. Okay, so fast forward to December. Next December. This past December. But it's next because they signed them on Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. Right. Same apartment complex to make things easier for our kiddo. He is a great dad. Uh, and since we have separated and divorced, we actually get along, shockingly. But now he's asking to try again. I can't tell if I actually want to try again because we're getting along or if we're getting along because we aren't together. Fast forward to now. I downloaded Tinder one night a little tipsy. And have since started kind of half talking to a few humans. It's not that serious. But it has really proven to me that I don't think I want to be back with him. That's really prejudice that you assume they're humans. His bad habits haven't changed. No child support. Half does things with our son and has quit his job. And gone back to a previous fast food job telling me that's why he can't pay child support. I can afford my own bills. But still, childcare is a giant bill that I've asked him to help with. How do I nicely tell him that I really don't think we are supposed to be together right now because he hasn't changed his ways from when we were married? Spending money we didn't have, no determination for anything, video games being his number one priority. I don't want it to affect our co-parenting relationship, but now I feel like we're about to go through another breakup, but I feel like it's needed at this point. Sounds like you have your answer. Also, why does this have to be nice? He doesn't seem like he was like super cool about like you and your job. This guy doesn't seem ambitious at all. It seems like he just wants someone to like help him live because he's got a fast food job, which don't at me, like is not an aspirational goal. So you just be like, this isn't working and here are the reasons and I don't want it. I don't think you have to worry about being nice about it. You're already divorced. Yeah, she just wants to keep things cool though so that they can at least have an acceptable co-parenting relationship. Okay, you still can, you were. And what happens is you got the best of each other and now he's like, oh, maybe we should be back together again. And by the way, it sounds like he's kind of a bitch. Like, it sounds like he likes things when they're nice and easy, which who wouldn't? And then when things don't go his way, he kind of pitches a fit. So it's super easy to like someone when there's no obligation and you're not married and you don't have to do all the ugly stuff, like see each other, take a dump or be there for each other. So he just wants the easy route and uh, you just start, move on, start swiping, seeing people. Just be like, it doesn't work. And be like, let's just co-parent in the best interest of our child. But do not take that step backward. Uh-uh. This guy is a loser. Uh-uh. Loser number one. That's the father of my child. Okay, well, he's a loser. And you're a winner, baby. Greetings, Eliza, Emily, and Teeny Snow Peach. I am in desperate need of some sound, no-nonsense advice. I live in Ontario, Canada, and currently we are still in lockdown. My problem is with my sister and brother-in-law. I love them both, but COVID has been tough. Understatement of the decade, I know. 
the beginning of the pandemic, they distanced themselves since my dad was not taking it seriously. I was taking it seriously, but I lived with my parents at the time, so I was lumped in with them. I didn't get to see my sister, brother-in-law, my niece, and my nephew. I moved out almost a year ago now. So once I isolated the appropriate amount of time, I asked if I could join their bubble. All I got was a snippy reply asking if my dad put me up to this. Fast forward to now, I'm an essential worker, unable to work from home due to the nature of my job. I'm working at a reduced capacity, but I still go into the office and I've had my first dose of the vaccine and nothing. I text her to see if they're planning to be outside that day and for her to text me so we can see each other and be a family. She barely replies to me. She is bubbled up with another family with kids the same age as her kids. And we'll have bonfires and outdoor activities and not invite me or sometimes will invite me, but it's at the last possible moment. The last time that happened, it was New Year's Eve. I see them from time to time and it's small talk or I will send her memes. Brother-in-law made a comment at Christmas that if I wanted in, all I had to do was quit my job. It's a career and I'm building my future. It breaks my heart whenever I see them because they're completely fine whilst I am alone. Help, Eliza. How do I keep seeing them without dying a little inside every time? Honestly, I can see this affecting our relationship once COVID is dealt with. Brother-in-law and sister both have their first doses too. I'm 24 and my sister is 36. Wait, we usually don't get this side of it. So you have a job because you need to eat. A job that is putting this person in contact with other people. This person's sister won't let this person into their bubble. They're like, if you don't, if you see anyone, you can't be in our bubble. You have to quit your job. And don't see anyone. I guess I understand wanting to protect your family. I mean, saying quit your job is like a little insane. Your kids are going to be fine, probably. They have kids, so they're bubbled up with kids. They're not worried about the fact that you're alone. You know, it's it's shitty that they're putting it to you that way. I wonder if something else is is going on. Um, Do they think you're like selfish for having a job? I think sometimes too, when people are like married or in relationships, they kind of lose sympathy and compassion for people who are single. Not that they need to be pitied, but it's like, hey, this is very difficult for people who live alone. It's weird that they've never offered like a Zoom or a Zoom game night or a social distance hang. If you wear a mask and you stand outside and you're six feet away from someone, like you should be fine. And they've invited you before and you both have the first vaccine, which is pretty good still. So it sounds like there's something else going on. It's, it feels like they're judging you for like having a job and you should be like, what am I supposed to do? Like not make money? And it seems like they, they're they lumping him in with the dad. Like he was living with the dad. The dad wasn't taking it seriously, but now this person has moved out. Your sister sounds like a real bee. Find a bubble with not your sister. Do you have friends? Anyone else you can bubble up with? Your sister kind of Yeah, it seems like you're also like a little lonely. So you're like, hey guys, what about me? And they're like, we've already decided you're irresponsible. And there's a lot of like shame blaming in COVID. So I would have over the phone, so with distance, just say to your sister, like, what do you suggest that I do? It sounds like there's something else there and you got to solve that dad piece of the puzzle. A lot of parents didn't take it seriously, but something's going, you're not telling us something. Something else happened. Yeah, slash, you need to find literally anyone else. You have to find friends who also don't take it seriously and hang out with them. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
it happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Kick it! Hey, Eliza, Emily, and Puppuccino. I'm interested in hearing your insight on a current life change I'm going through. From the moment I turned 18, I moved to Chicago from the suburbs and have really made a name for myself as a city realtor due to my love for this city. Flash forward to now, 28 years old, and my husband and I found out we were expecting our first child living in a one-bedroom loft. I ended up realizing that moving back to the suburbs was ultimately the right decision 
For us and our son's future, this was a much easier decision for my husband than me, as he hasn't stayed in Chicago for a decade straight like me, and he works in the burbs. Though we only live 30 minutes from city limits, it still feels like a completely different world. I am much more used to the energy of being in a large metropolitan area, and the neighborhood mentality is a huge culture shock. You're fine. Though we're in it's a- not that. It's still people. It's not like you're going from like rural Rwanda to the village in Manhattan. You're okay. Though we're in a much more stable, affordable, and safer environment, I still can't help but miss the opportunity and being in the middle of it all. I still am an active agent in Chicago and ultimately love my husband and unborn son more than living in the city, but I can't help but I just feel bummed. It's been three months, so it's still fresh. Any tips or input on adapting to a new environment? Love the three of you girls. And then it's an emoji of us and then a dog. Context, going to the coffee shop surrounded by hardworking go-getters on their commute versus leisurely housewives, being immersed in cultural differences, now surrounded by majority white, lots of time in your car not, versus riding the rails. White? If you are white, then that's a nightmare that you wrote that. I, uh, I, I, I also, hold on, I just have to say this because I've been noticing this more and more often. You're a white person. Um, there is this odd vilification of moms and housewives, the percentage of women who are actually like lazy gold digger loser women versus women who happen to take care of a home, which is a full-time job and or children is incredibly disproportionate. And so I think what you're adjusting to is your perspective is shifting. And I would be very careful before you, you know, there is this thing when people come from a city, they think they're better than the suburban people, but there's a reason people move to the suburbs. It is easier with children and you're pregnant and you're going to have these kids and a lot of your life, you're going to have to mourn. Just like when you got married, you kind of mourned your single life. And just as you're pregnant now, you're going to start to mourn, like being able to have a drink or eat fish or do fucking anything. Um, careful with the lazy, the leisurely housewife thing. Just because a mom stops to get a cup of coffee for an hour <laughs> in between like eight pickups, making lunches, sports, cleaning, house stuff, probably another job. I think it's, I think people when they move from the city are like, oh, and you can believe how these people live. I think you need to just give it a beat. I think it's okay to miss the city, but I think you will become yourself. I think you will start to enjoy all the benefits of living in the suburbs. And this is just part of an evolution of life. It is, a, it is a grind to live in the city with children, any city. And there's a reason that people move. Parking, opportunities, safer. Um, and the the white thing, you know, I don't, that's- I, I mean, think yeah, yeah, I think it's very homogenous is what she's saying. Sure. Well, you don't have to lose your perspective as a person and you can still be socially active and you can, you know, but I think- it's never, we all judge, but this idea that like, oh, look at all these white housewives. It's like, you don't know if those women have second jobs. You don't know if those women are the breadwinners. You don't know if those women are taking care of the kids. I think it's very in vogue to sort of be like, ugh, white women, what monsters. And it's like, just give it a beat. Because I guarantee all these things that you're thinking, like you're going to wear those assumptions and people will pick up on that. So just realize that people are people everywhere. It's not like you were living in inner city south side of Chicago, okay? Like you probably lived in like a nice high rise and you were a realtor and you can still be a realtor. Maybe it's a challenge now to be a realtor in the suburbs. Um, you don't have to let go of who you are. You just have to accept that you're evolving. I've gone through that and we kind of live in the suburbs, you know? We're not like in the city, we're near the city. But as you get older, things just change. 
whether you're having kids or you're married or you're moving somewhere, this is a new chapter of your life. You're not signing up for the hustle of, or the expenses of like, just like living in a one bedroom apartment with your husband downtown. Like there's no reason for it. You're both not sculpturists. And into, I'm just trying to think of the kind of person that does that. This isn't New York. So give yourself a beat and it's okay to miss it. And your friends probably won't come visit. And that's just part of growing up, but careful with the leisurely housewife things. God forbid a woman stops for a second to like do something for herself. Like, oh, what an entitled brat. I'm not blaming you. I've just noticed that like, this is a trend. Like it's, we always just rip the women apart. Meanwhile, this woman like ripped her butthole and vagina open to like have a child and like went to school and like does everything. And it's like, ugh, aren't women disgusting? She dared to be thin. You know what I'm thinking about? There's this girl on TikTok who does like, she like profiles like rich moms. So it's like rich housewife check. And she like, just like says like, if you live here, here are all the things you do. We're so anti-women. And this is not you, person that wrote this in. This is another thing. We're so anti-women in this culture and we're so anti-women who try. We get angry when women are overweight or out of shape. And then we get livid when someone's like, has money or dares to be in shape. Like, oh, skinny bitch, rich housewife, spoiled brat. And it's like, so what's she supposed to do? Have a kid silently, never gain weight, never be underweight, always be smiling, but not too perfect? Like, Women, we have to stop expecting other women to be like a little bit worse than us, but also make us feel good about ourselves, but also still be incredible. I just think maybe it's because like, as I think about maybe being a mom and being married, I notice just how hard we are on other women. The whole fucking thing is hard. Having the kid is hard. Being a mom is hard. And the more I delve into it, the more I'm like, women get no credit. You are ripping your butthole open. And it's like, can you be back at work soon? Also, you gained weight, ew. And even me, like, and women don't even give women that break. Give yourself a break because no one else will. Eat that muffin. Not too many muffins though. You don't have anything to say about that? You're such a jerk. I'm making a rant and you're just like- I've heard this rant. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Fine. There's more where that came from. Kick it. You've been on a kick. Okay. Uh, hello, Eliza, Emily, and Sweet Baby Biscuit Nose. My name is William Trumper, and yes, that is my real name, and I do want to talk about it. Remember on that episode with, I think, Mark Bittman is somebody who was Megan Trumper? Yeah, so this is William Trumper, and he says, During the last four years, I've gotten a lot of unsolicited comments about my last name, especially because I'm in the military and it's on my uniform. Strangers feel free to comment because they assume they know my political beliefs based on my name and profession. I am so dumb. That's so dumb. I'm tired of being polite and simply ignoring them. Do you have any witty retorts? Keep in mind that while in uniform, I have to be extremely tactful. Thank you for the advice. Love the show and cannot wait to see you in Seattle. You know what holds a lot of power is nothing. Saying nothing back. Just looking? Uh-huh. When they go... Hey, Trumper, you just look. Yeah. <laughs> if you're okay with making people feel uncomfortable, it happened It happened to me in a conversation the other day. Someone I had just met made fun of my name. And I think people just get uncomfortable or they're just trying to be funny. Um, you know, you can just say no affiliation. It's fully insane that because your last name contains the president's last name, that people are like, I'm sorry, the ex-president's last name, that people assume you voted for him. That's fully insane. And you can't point out like, you know, I'm trying to think if it's like, um, 
I don't know. What's their fucking last name? Yeah. Oh, your last name is Baker? Are you stoned all the time? The truth is, it's so juvenile and sophomore to make fun of someone's last name. So you can simply just be like, no, no political affiliation. Or you could just be like, not the same last name, don't know what to tell you. Or you just stare at them. Or you just say, yep, I get that a lot. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh, sorry. It's not about being witty as much as just like giving them enough rope to hang themselves and making them feel like a little uncomfortable. God, people are so fucking dumb. Trumper, huh? You could just be like, don't know what to tell you. Be like, oh, you know what you could say? Be like, take it up with my dad. Take it up with my great, great grandfather. <laughs> you know? So there's that. Yeah. Be like, it's a it's blessing and a curse. You could say that. Some people might love that your last name is Trumper. Uh, or you could just be like, Trumper, uh, think of a trumpet, not the president. You know, or you can, you know, just do any of those. I've given you several options. It's for just free. so, it comes back to Cade's ID that like everybody had to comment when they see it. Like everybody has to make their joke. Why do you have to, why do you have to comment? Or is it kind of like, like, oh, Charles Trumper, uh oh. And you're just like, yeah, get that all the time. If you just say like, yep, I get that a lot. Yeah. And then they'll be like, okay, anyway, just, just don't, just give it as little oxygen as possible. I think it's, that being said, when people are like, sell singer and they try to make funny, I just kind of like, I'm like, yep. I just say, yep. Yeah. Like, don't know what to tell you. I think, I actually think it's a sign of intelligence when people can or cannot pronounce a name. Well. Because I would uh, be embarrassed. If somebody had like a, like a, like a, Hindi last name, like a really long Indian last name. And I I would go out of my way to be like, hey, I would like to pronounce this correctly. Can you say it for me? That's a respectful way of doing it versus like Chandra, I don't fucking know. It's, I would be so embarrassed by my manners. And maybe because I do have that last name, I always think about it. But remember folks, this person hears it all day, every day. So maybe leave them alone because you sound dumb. Okay, so we have a, a follow-up and a question. So this is Edith Fontano, who, remember, they were invited to a, they were invited to a bridal party, but not to the wedding. Bridal shower, but not to the wedding. Yes, and we said, good. Yeah, and they were wondering if they should go to the bridal shower, and we were kind of like, no, just send a gift. Send a flaming turd and don't yeah. go. Yeah, so Edith says, I did get her a nice gift. Okay. The bridal shower did have a Zoom option, so I opted to tune into the Zoom. God. It was it was cute and games were played. Oh. The next week, I got two items in the mail. First, a thank you note for my gift. Then, ta-da, the in-person wedding invite. She didn't specifically indicate if I have a plus one, just a spot to say number attending on the RSVP card. Okay. My boyfriend and I, both fully vaccinated, think it could be fun to go and party and be those randoms at a wedding. Yeah. Enjoy the party and move on. The other part of me isn't sure if I have the plus one, and I don't know if I'd want to go alone. Also, the bride has never met my BF. What do you all think? Also, my mom wants me to clarify that she didn't think I was definitely invited, but that in her her day and invite to the shower meant pending invite to the wedding. Fair but enough. But that she knows it's different now. now she LOL. Um, I think that's interesting that like you sent a gift and then she was like, all right, let her in. Yeah. So, okay, cool. Because you wanted to go to the wedding. You scored an invite. You sh- I think it sounds like fun. There is nothing wrong. First of all, it's so tacky to show up with a plus one if, it, if they weren't invited. That being said, I think the invite would just say your name. And it wouldn't say number of guests if it was just you. Right. But this very simple thing and respectful thing, you call the bride and you say, hey, you are busy. I do not want to bother you. The last thing on earth I want to do is be tacky. I just wasn't clear if it was a plus one. It is totally cool either way. I just, I'd love to bring him. But if I can't, I certainly didn't want to show up with him. Like make it abundantly clear. It's totally okay to ask that, you know? 
because she'll be all uncomfortable, like, well, it's, and, you, and you just make it as easy for her. Be like, it is beyond okay. I just wasn't sure. I think if it says your name, number of guests, because if it was just you, it would say yes or no. Yeah. So it, they gave you an option for number of guests. Be like, I was planning on bringing eight. And be like, JK, can I just bring the one? She'd be like, oh, I just want. You just ask her, be like, I just wasn't sure. And I didn't want to be tacky. I think the the only issue here is that if she asks and then they say no, no guests, does Edith still politely have to go to the wedding alone? Right. You don't want to go alone. And I don't think she's inviting you alone. You can just call her and be like, hey, we're sorting some travel things out to give you, you know, be like, we're just trying to figure out some stuff and we have so much travel coming up and I was just, you know, wondering because you're within your rights to say you don't want to go alone. I think that's a little weird to invite you just alone. Yeah, when you're really not like- Also, when you weren't even invited kind of in the first place, it's kind of like double shitty. So just gonna, I do believe that you have a plus one because I think it would have just said your name, yes or no. Mm -hmm. But what you don't want to do is write in your boyfriend and then they're like, fuck, we we gotta feed this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Just call her. Just be like, we've got a couple of weddings and we're trying to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. And you already sent the gift, so you can't uh, fall back on me. You gotta send another gift. No. I'm so sorry. I'm such a bad friend. All right. Anonymous. My sister is a 37-year-old single mom of a four-year-old. My sister is a 37-year-old single mom of a four-year-old. Okay. A few months after her divorce, she moved in with a man that is immature, emotionally volatile, and eventually made her life so complicated she moved out. And lives in the same apartment as his ex-wife. They share a son. We were chatting this weekend and I found out she's planning on moving back in with her ex once her current lease is up. According to her, he has gotten a very good paying job. I also learned he has a compulsive spending problem and to prove to her he wants her back, he's been depositing his discretionary funds into an account only she controls. That's weird. I Asked and she says he is not seeing a professional for his spending issues. I told her he sounds like a 15-year-old that cannot handle his paycheck and she's mad at me now. Should I mind my own business or do you agree he sucks? That guy sucks. And any display like that in a relationship is always a red flag. Like, look, you can have my phone. Like, I shouldn't have to look at your phone. Yeah. Uh, your friend's an idiot. I know that's my answer to everything. I'm starting to sound like Judge Judy, but... It's always so painful, especially in movies when like the girl like turns on the best friend. Like, how dare you look out for my best interest? This guy sounds like a total loser. And I think you just say to your friend, like, I'm looking out for you and you're mad at me now and it kind of doesn't make sense. You might just like, she might just not want to be saved. Yeah, they were together for such a short period of time and now she's already taking on all of this. It's too much. This account thing is so weird. Look, also, we have this fear in our society where it's like, oh, if I say what I really feel and then they're together and then it's weird, it's okay to share your feelings. It's not like you just don't like him. Like, he seems just like a total piece of shit. And if you don't have to do any, like, major hanging out with them, you can just be like, look, I'm saying my piece. I'm here for you as a friend. But, like, I'm only saying this to you because I'm hoping you won't make the mistake because I care about you. And be like, can you conceive of a world where I just care about you? She'll be like, if you care about me, then let me do it. You're like, oh, I'm going to. I'm not going to physically stop you. Yeah. That is tough, though, to see people. It's her friend or it's her sister? Sister. That's really tough. Yeah. And she can also be extra mean and mad at you because you're her sister. But she's a, she's an idiot. Also, being with someone because they have a good-paying job. If you don't have any children together. Yeah, and he has a good-paying job, but he spends his money poorly, so it's... As Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank would say, you're going to zero. <laughs> One of the guys on Shark Tank is on Cameo for like $2,000 or something. Does he need it? That's a word. Right. Is that the rich get richer? Yeah, from Cameo. Well, from having an insane price. Okay. 
Hey, I'm in love with the pod, and I adore that Eliza also kisses her dog on the mouth. Right. Not only on the mouth, under the lip flap. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I tickle the ridges on the roof of her mouth. Where are you? She's across the room. Yeah. Okay. So my question is, I'm a 19-year-old nursing student, and this is my final summer before I enter the real world and lose the so-called summer vacation. I work two main jobs and a bunch of side hustles all summer long. After working at a nursing home and with students that have disabilities, I'm usually too exhausted to go out with my friends after, but I can't help feeling left out of all the fun. Should I quit one of my jobs or just continue to make bank this summer? Thanks, XOXO. I don't know which is more valuable to you. Hooking up, being drunk, taking slippery alligator shots or making money. The financial financially responsible answer is keep making that money. Look, by the way, you think you're going to miss summer vacation. You won't. I remember when I graduated college, I was like, there goes summer vacation. Once you're in the real world, you don't think about it like that anymore. You also don't have homework. You also have like full autonomy and access to liquor and stuff like that. So don't worry about the summer that you will have, you're 20. You have so much time to fuck up everything. You have vacations, you have weekends, you have long weekends, you have holidays, like you're fine. I suggest you make that money, but if it's not that much money, you're saying bank, but I don't know what your financial situation is like. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd be kicking yourself because you will have what, like partied, gone to the lake, made a mistake. You can still go out on weekends, you know, but you can carve out time, you know, do it so you can have both. But if you're making money, you're putting, you're setting yourself up for a win financially in the future. And then you don't have to work as hard in the future if you have a little bit of a cushion and you don't have to make decisions you don't want to make, right? Mm -hmm. While you have the energy and the stamina to party and work hard, I suggest you do both. But I would not forego making money just so you can like hang out. It's, you won't even know those people in five years. I mean, unless you're sober and out and miserable, but it doesn't sound like that's the case. It just sounds like you don't have the energy to like go out and go crazy. And that's okay too. So I, I would just stick with the jobs yeah. and, you know, maybe give up one of them. Maybe you don't need this many. Maybe it's only, you know, a hundred dollar difference and that doesn't mean anything to you. Take an assessment. And also conversely though, never underestimate the value of like mental health and relaxation, but right. don't do it in anticipation of like, and then I'm going to be so busy. Just Yeah. What if you like quit one of your jobs that no one has any cool plans? Yeah. And your friends suck and they're like, let's go back to Chili's. I would love to go to a Chili's. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, mm, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, a few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today.
I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Go to bolinbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Check it. Anonymous. Hi, Eliza and Emily. Love the pod and your insight on a variety of topics. Thank you so much. At least somebody said it. I think I have a situation of friend poaching. Uh Uh-oh. I live with a roommate who is not originally from the area. To show her around the city and help her expand her social circle, I invited her everywhere I went with either my boyfriend or our group of friends. She's super outgoing and fun. However, as of late, she's become very close with the friends I introduced her to. Cue the jealousy. She is constantly texting some of my close girlfriends one-on-one to do things together. I found out because afterwards she has to tell me all about our texts with my close friends to a point where it feels like she's rubbing in my face that they text. I want her to have these friends, but at the same time, they I've been kind of annoyed to come home and find my best friend hanging out in my living room when I wasn't the one who invited her there. Oh, I would love that. Any tips on how to best handle roommate slash friendship boundaries? I don't, th- you know what? Let's pretend that women aren't evil for a second. I think she's just enjoying the friends that you connected her with. Your, her friendship with them doesn't lessen your friendship. I would be delighted to come home and like a friend's just there. Invite your friends over more. Also, she's not excluding you. It's not like she's like, I'm going out with all of them and just not you. You want her to have these individual relationships and that's, I'm sure she's super grateful to you for that. And I'm sure maybe she'll never get a chance to tell you, but I think you need to grow up a little bit. And I think you need to realize like you invited her to do all this I think part of you wants to lord over it. And I think that's very normal to be like, hey, I'm the connective tissue here. Nobody's going to forget that you introduce her to the group, but like in a year, it won't matter. She'll just be part of the group. I think you feel like you're losing a little bit of control over her. You can always invite her out one-on-one. You can you can orchestrate the group outing. I, I get, I, you're, I w- you're right, but I get the feeling jealous thing. I would... Like, even when you're making plans and I don't know about them, I'm like, why is something happening? That's that weird, because we are not friends. <laughs> not you don't want to be out of the loop. Fun plans are about work. Right. I wonder if it's like our, our so our girl, our question asker, they introduced this person, all these people, and now the roommate's building all these relationships with other people, but maybe isn't being the best friend to... I don't think she's saying that. She's not, like, I don't get the vibe that she's, like, icing you out. Uh, also, like, I, it seems like she's just building these relationships. If that is her goal, like, it will become clear that this person's crazy. But also, like, what if she's a better match with these other people? This isn't elementary school. Like, you aren't bound to be friends with people because of proximity. 
Um, I think it's great. Like, let her do all the work. They come over. Your friends aren't going to stop being friends with you. Or they will because women are terrible to each other. But I think you should let go a little bit of that and realize once you realize she isn't trying to take over, she isn't trying to ice you out. If she is, that's a whole other thing. But it is incredibly immature to be like, and you guys, no one's including me and you've just spent all your time with me. That would be insane if someone said that to you. Take a step back. What's the real situation? Are you really being left out or is she just forging her own relationships? And if so, isn't that kind of why you introduced her or do you want to be like that forever connective tissue queen bee? Women have this obsession with being like, this is my fiefdom. All of my friends know each other because of me. Um, But that's because they're my friends and they have their own friends, you know? But like, I take great pride in the fact that like at Jody's birthday, like a lot of my friends were there. I like it when women connect with each other. And I like that they know them through me and I don't care if they hang out without me. They're not going to stop being my friend. So you're okay. I keep my friends separated. You, yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> you only have, the, you only have the, the cat and that one guy named George. <laughs> you, got that, you got that downstairs neighbor. Hi, Eliza. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I have a situation with one of my bridesmaids. I know an extremely unique and new topic, and I'm hoping I can get some input. Oh, man, the show parodies itself. It's so meta. Basic, basically, I, I basically, my husband and I got married last June, but had to push the reception to this year because of COVID. Now everything is opening because up. Because of what? <laughs> now everything is opening up again, and we will be able to have the celebration we wanted with our family and friends. However, I have a bridesmaid, 27, who is asking to bring her 45-year-old hookup. They are not officially in a relationship because he is in the process of getting out of another relationship slash marriage that is that was destroyed by the two of them hooking up. He's never going to She wants her. to bring him to the wedding because she feels she deserves plus one as a bridesmaid. I told her months ago that he cannot come because of COVID, but now that things are opening up, she said he can come now and the two of them will simply share a plate. I told her yet oh, again no. that he is not coming. Her response, okay, period. How do I respond to this complete lack of social awareness? Thanks, Eliza. Well, it sounds like you did. You said no. She said okay. It sounds like it's a financial thing. If she's saying share a plate. Oh, I'm guessing that our person was like, I can't add another guest. And the bridesmaid was like, well, you don't need to pay for anything for him. But this person's like, I don't want this guy here. You don't want him there. Um... You can blame it on the finances of it, but you can just say, I mean, here's the other thing. Do all the other bridesmaids have plus ones? Like there is a version where this 45-year-old guy, which isn't that old, by the way, uh, where this 45-year-old guy does become her boyfriend, her husband. Like there is a version where they do run off into the sunset. It's tough because when you invite guests to your wedding, you kind of have to give over the control and just... A lot of the guests that I invited, I don't, not even a lot. A couple of the guests I invited, I don't ever talk to. A lot of the guests I invited, they're plus ones they are no longer with. It's sort of not on you to judge the validity of the relationship. So the question is, do people have plus ones or not? Oh. That's what it really is. He's not a bad guy. He's not an abusive guy. Like, he, you also will literally spend two seconds with him. You will say hi, he'll say congratulations, and you will be so busy, it won't have mattered. It will make her feel better. If none of the other bridesmaids have plus ones, then the answer is no. But that is a little shitty to be like, only you can't have one. Are you offering them or are you not? I appreciate you don't want them there. I definitely am always like, who's your girlfriend? I don't fucking care. But then the per then your bridesmaid's just like alone at the wedding. So 
Think about the optics of who else you gave them to. Right. If he's th- if he's throwing a temper tantrum or something at a previous event, fine. But it sounds like you just kind of don't like him because he's a little scummy. We had someone at my wedding who started a fight at my engagement party. And this person still had to bring this person. And I barely spoke to him and everything was fine. So <laughs> I'm just saying. Who? I don't remember this. Um, it's because you were too busy helping me. Uh, yeah. Look into it. Does ever, Do other bridesmaids get plus ones? Yeah. That's what you should, you know, they'll be like, they didn't, so why should you? This is, I think, the best answer. uh, The best, that's, I was just thinking that. I was just, I was like, this is it. This is the one. Give me a, give me like a sword sheathing, like, like, shing. You've done a shing. Do you want something else? The precision knife, the precision, truth precision, the accurate. That's an arrow hitting a bullseye. <laughs> oh, I nailed it. You can feel that. That's, it's very funny that both of us are like, because I was just thinking that this is the best answer you've given. The fairest thing I've ever it said. It really was. Wow. I don't know why. Like that in particular really was just like, yeah. It was, it was unbiased. It was fair. It was sympathetic. It was just the way the news <laughs> should be. Kick it. Hi, Liza and Emily. I'm Lauren, a 27-year-old female. Wait, hold on. We should have a... Precision sword, like the sword of truth. We've had a shing. The arrow of justice. I mean, we don't want to continuously be like, look at how good this answer is. Yes, who cares? You know how much garbage is out there of self-aggrandizing monsters? Yeah, I I just fixed her life. Eliza fixed my life. Now this guy's going to come to her wedding and like destroy it. Just take a dump on the cake. (laughs) Whatever. Everyone's wedding's imperfect. I still hear from my mother about how they opened the dessert bar too early at my wedding. Like to this day. That was really a life ruiner. Hi, Liza and Emily. I'm Lauren, a 27-year-old female. Thank you so much for- Don't assume. Thank you so much for sharing your story and really advocating for women's health. I have stage four endometriosis and have been battling it for many years now. I've had four surgeries in under two years and been on every medication possible to try to manage symptoms. Most women are able to manage their symptoms this way and get 10 to 15 years of relief in between surgeries. My last one was a year and a half ago and I'm already back in daily pain. I've had more doctors than I can count. Recently, I moved from NY to NC and my new OBGYN told me that if I really want it, I can have a hysterectomy finally. I still am going to talk to my specialist in NY before I book anything. I've told some people close to me and it is always the same response of, well, what if you want kids one day? For me, the chance at having a normal life far outweighs giving up the ability to get pregnant one day. I know I want to be pain-free and live a normal life again. That being said, it is still a surreal feeling to be making this decision. What advice do you have, if any, to get through the daily struggle of the next year while I try to manage pain, other symptoms, and telling family that this is what I want to do? Thanks. Love you and the pod. What's the question? Uh... Just like so, she's gonna get it. It sounds like that's what she's leaning toward, and just everybody is like, "Well, what if you don't have kids? Can you freeze your eggs because you can always look. If you meet someone and you have a lot of money, you can freeze your eggs and you can have someone carry the baby. Uh, you could put the egg in someone else. You could also adopt. Those are the options if you cannot have your own baby. Um, but we are not put on this planet to merely be vessels to sacrifice everything just for a child. Your mental health. I don't need to tell you this. I have a friend with endometriosis and it is brutal. Your mental health will suffer. Your relationships will suffer. There is no greater pain than physical pain because it is inescapable. Um, and it's persistent and it is, and it is, it just ruins everything else. Like you cannot be in a good mood when you're in pain. 
I always think of back pain. I always think of the state of Florida, which I was weird there. Anywho, um, you do what's right for you. It's nobody's fucking business and their opinion. You are closed for feedback. They have no idea how, what it's like to live every day in pain. And people who live in chronic pain, like my heart goes out to you just because I know what it's like when I had my herniated disc, which I know I like to talk about, but like it is impossible to be in a good mood. It's hard to be in a good mood when you have to poop, let alone endometriosis, which I'm not even clear what it fully is, but I know it's an autoimmune thing and there's a lot of pain. You do what's, you be confident and excited that you are moving toward a solution that will make you a happier, better person. You are not gonna find someone to even have a baby with if you're miserable. Or you might, but they might be terrible. You're gonna get to a place where you're the best version of you. And it really is like, I don't, people don't mean it this way, but they, it it really feels like, oh, you're in pain, who cares? You're, more, more importantly, you're this vessel for something else. What about, what about this, this unborn what, what baby? You're like, God, what about, what about me? <laughs> Nobody cares about women. Nobody cares about you or your pain. Just make sure that we raise these unborn babies and that they matter until they're 18. Now, uh, I talk about this on stage, how when people ask women, like, are you thinking of having kids? I'm like, no woman forgot. No woman's like, am I thinking of what? So, you know, if someone says to you, like, what if you want to have kids? You should just be like, wow, that is a great point. I never thought of that. What do you think I should do? There's always a way to deflect by just asking the other person, like, well, what do you think I should do? Can you email me some resources? They'll be like, I don't care. Like, That's what right, do you, you think I should do? I mean, I'm in horrible pain, but if you think that I, I see, should- See how, give them enough rope to hang themselves. Yeah. They'll be like, well, I guess you are in horrible pain. It's also not something, you know, when I had that miscarriage, um, I, of course, because I have trouble keeping a secret. I told like a bunch of people I was pregnant. Rookie mistake. Um, but it didn't once occur to me after it was over and not uh, a viable pregnancy that I had to reckon with all the people that I had to now tell. I was like, who fucking, like, I'll just tell them they'll be on my side. I don't feel like, oh, look, I know I promised you a baby. I couldn't do it. It's not like I'm like heir to the throne or something or I had to provide a prince. The amount of times I think we put pressure on ourselves to give people an answer when people actually either don't care or are on your side regardless. People who love you will be like, we understand the pain you're in. And nobody else's opinion matters. And you need to keep reminding yourself that. Yeah. Also, why does anyone need to know you had a hysterectomy? Uh, maybe she's she's getting a surgery. So maybe she's telling her friends and her family about the surgery and their family's like- I'm finally out of pain. I'm yeah. taking a step that's right for me. And, and the fact that you're finally able to get the hysterectomy, because you know, that's not, I don't think that's like a first you, option that right. you go for. Right, this was not your wish. And also like, you can only take life one step at a time. Yeah. First step, get out of pain. How do you do that? This way, great. And then life will reveal itself and there will be plenty of good reasons, good things that come out of it. You can only do one step at a time. Before you buy that mansion, you got to go to school to get the job, to make the money, to get the mansion. Like one foot in front of the other. One painful step in front of the other. Yeah. Endometriosis be gone. Yeah. Hysterectomy. What about a his, him? I guess it already says his. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Highlights. Hysterectomy. All right. Stacy asks, hi, Liza, Emily, Tiny Shampoo, and Hot Scotty, wherever you Who are. Knows? You can use my name if you want. We are. My question is, should I write under a pen name? Bit of backstory. I've been thinking of using a pen name for my writing for years because my maiden name is so clunky Nom and hard pin. for people to pronounce. Spelled M-C-K-E-I-G-U-E, but pronounced McKeague. Now that I'm married, I have a much simpler last name, Tep. 
I feel like we're giving all this person's info, but they said we could say it in the question. (laughs) But as a bisexual who's closeted to her family, I'm not sure I want them connecting my pro-LGBTQ, sometimes mildly dark or sexual subject matter to me. At the same time, I want to make a name for myself as an author slash poet. Most writers never get JK Rowling level rich and famous, but still, should I embrace my real not so pretty name or create one I love that might allow me more creative freedom at the expense of those close to me not knowing who the writer is? Please help. Do a pen name and just tell people. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with creating a pen name, but this is also, you know, you're a writer, not a performer, and there's a certain amount of anonymity with that. But if you do get successful, people are going to piece it together. Um, This writing is your truth. This is your passion, and nobody should make you feel bad about that. But I understand if you're discussing, like, risque or sexual matter, and, you know, it's you you don't want to reveal that. There's nothing wrong with a gnome de plume. And there's a reason writers do it. Um, and maybe you do it and then one day come out to the family. I'm, my heart breaks for you that they aren't accepting. Um, but yeah, do a nom de plume. Who cares? Yeah. And you can always be like, by the way, it was me. You're still going to collect the check no matter who you are. So it doesn't, if you're not looking for the fame, if you're really just looking to do the writing and you don't care if people connect it, I think eventually you will. And there's something to be said about not hiding from who you are, but I cannot make that judgment because- you know, sometimes we do want anonymity and you are a writer for a reason. So make a nom de plume. Yeah. Yeah. Combine the two. No one will know. Make it a cute little joke. Whatever. What? And make it. McTep. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Step and tap. Yeah. I don't see a downside to having a nom de plume because you can you can tell anyone. I mean, unless you're like, my Facebook friends won't know I wrote a book. You'll tell them. You post about it on Facebook, block your parents from being able to this see it. This is a quality problem that you get so famous that yeah. you're like, I hope I get the credit. Like, does anyone know what Michael Crichton looks like? Well, and a lot of like, you know, Stephen King wrote under a pen name. J.K. Rowling wrote under a pen name. We know what Stephen King looks like only because of the movies. Hello, Eliza, Emily, and forever baby Snowpeach. She's forever a baby. She'll never be small. Sorry. She'll never be big. She's always small. This is all gibberish. I'm a 37-year-old gay expat living in Australia, listening to the pod religiously and actively share your insights with non-listeners. They'll find their way eventually or perish. (laughs) There you go. As my 30s tilt toward an impending life slide into the 40s, I've noticed a social shift, a domino effect of domestication in my social circle. Mm. In particular, my best mate Clementine, also a gay man who was recently moved to the burbs with his boyfriend to get more bang for their real estate buck, but in the process has gone from being the guy with tickets to everything who couldn't walk down the street without seeing someone he knows or blows, to being a recluse super stoner who doesn't call or text or visit but rants on social media incessantly about all that is wrong with the world. Who is this person? At first, I thought it was just him getting older, but then he got a young boyfriend and hoped that it would young dog him. It didn't. Then I thought it was the pressure of his work. Then I thought it was the nonstop spew cycle of a global embarrassment that was the 45th president of the United States and shenanigans of the subsequent 2020 election. Then the pandemic hit and the excuse well has run dry. I know life happens, but he's quickly gone in a totally different direction, and I don't even recognize this person who used to be my best mate. He's now talking about moving to the sticks to raise bees. I know gay standard time moves quickly, but he's only 50 and seems like he's hanging up on life and friends. 
Do I try and show him the light or just leave it to the bees? I feel like he's just beelining to this new life and not leaving a trail for his mates. P.S. Mental health slash depression have been on my radar for a while now, but he's very stoic and doesn't like to get into it. Appreciate the perspective of my fellow elder millennial. I don't want to give up on him or our friendship, but he's not putting in any effort and seems to be dead set on going his own way and withdrawing from any sort of social life, only calling once he's already made up his mind and on the road or moved on. I'm only 37, but I feel my tolerance for bullshit lowers to new depths when it's packaged with inconsideration and people that bail on their mates. Please come back to Straya when it's safe to do so. Until then, my Eliza Forever t-shirt will keep me safe and hugged, and Thursday traffic is never long enough with the weekly pod and toe. Much love. Right, it comes out on Thursday there. I, uh, for a second, you, I was like, Thursday? You are a very good writer. Um, That was a very well-crafted, <laughs> concise uh, email, text. Um, Look. It's interesting. I can't tell if he's like QAnon or if he's like so, I think he's like super liberal. I can't tell what he is. Stonery, just like. Um, I think this happens to a lot of people. You know, they, the more they see of society, the less they want to be involved in it. Um, I actually don't blame him. Sometimes I'm just like, I cannot handle these people anymore. Uh, So it sounds like he's reached a breaking point and he's going through something and he's kind of just becoming himself. And this happens to people as they get older sometimes. They're just like, I'm done. I've paid my dues. I don't want to be around these ass clowns anymore. I'm out of here. He's older. He's not 37, you know? Look at his life and I wonder, does he feel the, excuse me, oh my God. Do they have burps in Australia? Does he feel the same way about himself that you do? You know, maybe he doesn't see himself as that and maybe his friends have moved on or they've, you know, moved to the suburbs. Maybe he just kind of, um, maybe his life, he doesn't see it the same way as you do, as super glamorous. He could also just be like super depressed. I think the most valuable thing is always saying, hey man, I love you, I care about you. I want to spend more time with you, but if this is a path you're on, you know, you might just have to let him go. Yeah. You know, also, if he is super depressed and so he's going through something, like, do you want to be the person that, like, walks him through all of this? It's important to let people know that they have a lifeline in you, but this is not your blood. This is not your dad. This is someone that you care about, but he can't be a project. How honest have you been about being worried about him? Uh, Like, hey, mate, do you want to hang out? Or has it been like, hey, you've withdrawn. We haven't seen each other. Is everything okay? Yeah, did something happen? you know, is it could be a mental thing. Like it could be an illness or something like that, or he's just tired and changing and he doesn't want to go out to clubs or bars anymore. And he does want to, raising bees sounds great. That sounds great. Can you do a beekeeping class together? We need more bees. We do need more bees. So if anything, he's helping. So let him know how you feel, but that's really all you can do. To quote, who sings that? Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. Don't save her. Don't save him. He's going to live with the bees. <laughs> oh, boy. No. That was quite a, it was quite an accent. Bees. Uh, top of the cob. It's the top of the cob. We're doing it right. Every day. You just take a bite. Top of the cob. My bottom of the cob is how, like, a domino effect, like, one, like being a minute off in your morning can, like, fuck up everything. I had so much time to be somewhere by noon, and I'm never late. And, like, I just got ready like a minute too late. And then I couldn't get the car out of the driveway. And then there was a school pickup nearby. And then there were like, it was like, what? And then I missed the turn. Like it's, it is my bottom of the cob. How like, no matter how much you're like, I'm just going to breathe and get through this. Like the universe like keeps throwing stuff at you to be like, yeah, take that. It's shitty. You're off by five minutes while the rest of your life's going to be off. And then I got to lunch and it was fine. 
My bottom of the cob is the domino effect of perception. Yeah. My bottom of the cob is that I got an eye floater in one Ooh. eye. A That's black rough. thing. When I'm driving, I see it or I'm walking forward. I feel like when I have a forward momentum, I'm Googling like Don't how Google you it. get Just rid of it. Just go to a it. doctor. Go to an ophthalmologist, not an optometrist. Use your insurance and go see a doctor. I don't think I have vision. Then pay for it. I usually get eye and dental appointments as Christmas presents when I go home. So my eye doctor is in Georgia. Oh I my go God, to, just make an appointment, pay out decades. of pocket. I'm just saying I, I usually go when I go home, but there's been a pandemic. You're not driving me anywhere. Take that. My mm, bottom, sorry, my my top. My top of the cob is- um, You were so excited about it. Was it oh, the bagels you ate? No. There's a part of LA uh, that has a very small street. It's a main thoroughfare, but it's a one lane street that because LA is a giant clusterfuck connects to major cities. It's a thoroughfare that a lot of people take all the time. And I live very close to that street. And um, it's a known fact that two lanes merge into one. And if you take it, you know that this happens. And people love to pretend like they don't know and speed ahead and then cut ahead of you to get ahead of you. And I was in my rush this morning. I was in a terrible mood. Like eight things had gone wrong and I'm trying to get, and I'm coming up uh, and this black um, guy, no, it was a black, uh, I, I think it was a Rolls Royce. Yeah. Which is also like, unless you're being driven in a Rolls Royce, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, pulls up and tries to cut me off. But not only- I don't know, if, to quote Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes, like I have, I'm older and I have more insurance. I don't think I have more insurance, but I definitely had the least nice of the two cars and I had the right of way and they pulled up and they tried to get in and I chose to keep going. So I wasn't cutting him off because I already had the lane and you see him try to get in and he's, and I'm just like, fuck you, like get in line like everyone else. You know, like you're just doing this because you have a luxury car. And then he was like behind me and he kept speeding up behind me, like bird dogging me and but he couldn't pass me because there's only one lane. And I felt really good about like laying down some like road justice. And I know that I fucked up that guy's morning. And I know you're not supposed to like pay it forward, but that made me feel good. Cause I, for once in traffic, I was right. Yeah. I didn't do something illegal. And I fucked up this asshole rich guy with the illegally tinted windows drive. You saw me do that the other day on the same yes. road. And then when I went to turn, like I saw him speed by, I'm like, yeah, you really show me. But knowing that I had impeded his morning yeah. kind of took the edge off for me. That felt really good. I'm not going <laughs> to My top of the cob is also a double-edged sword. I got my first vaccine. I'm very excited for that. I did pass out in aisle 23 of a CVS. Not looking forward to the next one, but I've got it. My arm did hurt. I think it was psychosomatic. Where's the top part? Um, the top is I got my first shot. Oh, Halfway okay. there. Sounded really bad. One more. Halfway there, top shot. Well, speed it up. I guess you can't. When do you go back? Uh, June 4th. Well, you go back, you don't miss that. Get vaccinated, folks. Let's get it back to normal before this thing comes back around and kills everyone. Okay? Get it. Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, 
but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must-listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. 